Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. Today we have with us Brian Marshauser. He is the editor of Yorktown News and the Cotonou Lewisboro Times. And we have Bob Dumas, editor of Mayapak News. And one of our frequent guests, Tom Walagorski, he's the editor of Somers and our North Salem papers. He's, he's away uh, today, which is allowed. Anyway, I just want to get going on our conversation for today. And uh, I want to jump onto a conversation that might rile people up a little bit. The goose calling. Tell me about that a little bit. Okay, well, it's something that they do almost every year. Some of Mayapak's lakes, and in this particular case, we're talking about Lake Mayapak, Lake Cassie, and Long Pond, which is the lake at Sycamore Park, where the uh, Recreation Department has its beach for public swimming and what have you. They get, in the summertime, inundated with geese who come and hang out and live there for months during the summer, and you know they poop all over the area and create health hazards, especially on the beachfront and these other lakes. They, it causes a problem. One of the things they do to help remedying this is they go out and they find the nests and they they don't remove the eggs; they turn them. They just flip them over, and that's enough to keep them from hatching. That's one way they keep the population down, but. When it gets to the point of no return, one of the things they have to do, there's a point, and I didn't know this, there's a point where geese can't fly during the summer. They molt. They're in a molting season, so they can't really go anywhere except kind of paddle around the lake. So they go out with boats, and they usher them in. They push them in to a a designated area where they're then caged and removed, and this reduces the population. They are then... Are they um, killed? Yes. And then they are given... Uh, removed the, is a nice way to say. Yeah, <laughs> removed yeah, from this yeah, life, yeah, I well, guess. They're, yeah, they're sent... And, that's that's uh, definitely they're, a euphemism here. <laughs> they're, yeah, they, uh, they're not just killed. They're butchered, and then they are sent to homeless shelters. So, oh, uh, so they're used so, for food. Yeah, they're used for food, yes. Oh, that's good. Um, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. That helps balance it out a little bit. And yeah. I mean, if they I were remember, just killed for the sake of being killed, that would be a little bit. Yeah. So it does, you know, and I've seen evidence of this. They showed me a couple years ago of what these geese, and there are a lot of them, and what they're capable of doing, and they can make the beach uninhabitable. So it's pretty gross. So they do this. Now, there are some people that are opposed to it because, you know, animal cruelty and all that, but it's also cruel to the humans who might have to endure the aftermath of what they do. So, yeah, so it balances out. They are used for food for the homeless. So last year they were going to do it, but it got turned down. They decided not to do it. 
this year it kind of slid through. Susie McDonough was the only one who voted against it. It passed four to one. No, what was her reasoning voting against it? Because of animal, well, animal I haven't or? spoken. It just happened last. I haven't spoken to her, but she's always voted against it for this animal advocate. She has said time and time again, "I understand why we have to do it, but I still don't like it." And so she voted uh, against it. So we'll write a little bit about that. Yeah, it kind of went under the radar this year. And last year, there was a lot of attention on it, and it got turned down. But then again, because of the pandemic last year, there weren't a lot of people going out to lakes and stuff like that anyway. Also, the other, probably the, the big story was the town held a community workshop for the downtown revitalization project. Last one they held for this was in June. So here we are almost six months later, they're holding a second one. This is to get feedback on the proposed downtown revitalization project. They have three working drawings. This is includes the new municipal parking lot next to Tompkins Mayapack Bank the Swan Cove Park, and then the business district where they're putting in new sidewalks and crosswalks and lighting and changing the diagonal parking to uh, end-to-end parking. So, so, so I have know, to ask you a question with this. Yeah. You know, they've been talking about this for, you know, since we started. Oh, back oh, in over three years. It's been no, no. We, they've been talking about revitalizing downtowns for 11 years. I mean, well, for, yeah, I mean for, that, but this is the first time ever included uh, a parking lot and a park. Understood. Just parked, but, yeah. So, so my, my question to you is, is this going to attract a Gap or a Starbucks? I mean, are we going to get nice chain stores no, and they have no desire to do that they okay. want to what's the end goal what are they well first to of all the way it stands right now parking is really bad in that neck of the woods just to go to any of the existing businesses it's very difficult they want to improve the place aesthetically i mean they've added the park that had nothing to do with the original project so they've added this park that was in the Swan Cove. So that's going to attract more people on top of what they already get. They're changing the diagonal parking to the parallel parking, which is losing 18 spots by doing that. It'll make it safer if anybody's ever parked in one of those diagonal spots. Backing out of there is a nightmare and there's lots of fender benders as a result. So they're changing that. They're also changing Cherry Street there by Ming Hing. It's going to be a one-way street. So they're losing a lot of parking by doing that and by adding the park. So they need more parking. So they bought that lot where the chamber building used to be next to Tompkins Mayapack Bank. That'll be turned into a parking lot. The DOT has already rearranged the traffic lighting configuration there. So it'll be easier to go in and out of that parking lot. So it's all these different disparate Projects yeah, the, tra- the traffic lighting there stinks now because you can't make a right. Well, it, all makes, it all makes sense when everything's done. But the way it stood before with the new entryway, they're going to do away right now. And, and you know this, Brett, because you bank at that bank and you go down that little side hill to go to the drive-in window. Yes. Yeah, that's being taken away. You will no longer approach the drive-in window through that little side hill. You're going to go through the traffic light, make a right into that parking lot, and then there'll be kind of a horseshoe turn that'll take you through the drive-in. So they're doing away with that. Yeah. I'm admittedly not familiar with Mayapak when you say like 
street names and stuff. So this is near the marina in that area. Near Route um, 6. It's uh, right it's there. Probably. You know where Route 6 and 6N split and go right, in yes. different, like, it's mm-hmm. right basically. Where we set our office, actually. Yep. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. we had our office yeah. a little bit further. Yeah, down. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before that, where Crossroad Deli is. Yeah, right. So all this is taking place on 6N. So as you okay. bear to the right, the old stone building that is Tompkins Mayapak Bank is right there. And then mm-hmm. right next to that is Swan Cove, where the park and parking lot will be. And then as you go further up into the business district, where on your right is Mayapak Inn and Cacciatore's Pizza and all those businesses on your right. And then on your left, all those businesses, that whole area on the left, they're getting all new, wider sidewalks they'll be wider and more crosswalks so it's not so dangerous to go from one side of the road to the other so although the motorists have to obey the crosswalks i mean right now i mean i'm a stickler for rules of the road you know so i stop with those crosswalks uh, or at least slow down to make sure that nobody's coming i can't tell you how many motorists just fly right by those crosswalks and i'm flabbergasted i mean frankly a Police should stay right there and just ticket every single car. Uh, yeah, well, I think when all the work you know. is done, you know, they'll lower the speed limit through there. And, you know, with the new placement of the light, people won't be able to rip through there. But, yeah, people can't run over people in the crosswalks. <laughs> and you know, if you I, stop I, for someone in a crosswalk, I've been beeped at for stopping for someone in a crosswalk. And my yeah. reaction is, what do you want me to do, run over them? I don't understand yeah. If I had a guest bride, I'll bet your reaction is bigger than that. Well, you, you have seen me get out of the car and confront yes. someone. Anomaly. I thought that was fantastic. That was an anomaly that, that's only happened once or twice in my life. And yeah. Just to let you know, I've done that before. And actually, I got yelled at by my in-laws because I was flying out to, I believe, Chicago. Uh, my daughter was in the backseat and we were right by the airport. So this is kind of the New York City airport area. I think it was like LaGuardia or something like that. And someone beeped at me. And I like, I, I don't think I got out of my car, but I rolled down my window and I gave the finger and like, I advise against that always just because you never know. There's a lot of crazy. Yeah. yeah. I learned that lesson living in LA when people cut you off on the freeway, just <laughs> like tip, you know, just say, have my, a, my dad but, was one of those crazy people. People would beep at him and he'd pull over and then like they would, someone pulled over behind him. We were in the car with him once and this happened. Not great parenting tip right here. Um, <laughs> he got out of the car and started walking right toward the other car and they peeled out. Wow. My dad's yeah. a scary looking guy. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. will tell you, like, I mean, if someone tails me, I mean, I'll slow down. I put my hazards on. <laughs> I get pissed off. Sorry to derail this conversation. Yeah. Just, just to get back real quickly to the crosswalks there on South Lake Boulevard, AKA 6N, there is one there. I guess there's a couple there, existing ones. But, you know, some of the responsibilities also on the pedestrian. I mean, well, you know, you just don't want to wander out there while there's steady traffic coming through. Because I've been one of the pedestrians who's used those crosswalks. And so, you know, you want to wait until the traffic slows down and then start your move so you know don't wander out there while the traffic's going i i I don't if i'm a pedestrian just walk right out in front of the cars and hope for the best if i'm a pedestrian pedestrians have the right away and yes the the cars are supposed to stop if there's a pedestrian crossing the crosswalk i wouldn't want my kids to do that yeah yeah well that way while you're lying in your hospital bed you can revel in the fact that you were the right one you know honestly i'm I'm a grown man If, if they hit me I'll probably survive well, and get a nice settlement. It's defensive walking. You know, I was even at the supermarket this morning in, in Coilomat. They have a crosswalk from the park. 
parking lot to the store and, you know, a bunch of cars are flying by and I had the right of way to walk. I would kind of like dip my toe onto the thing and see who's going to stop for me. You know, I'm not, <laughs> not going to run out in front of these people because I, I don't know who's on their cell phone. So, I, mean, I don't um, run out, but like, I will make sure they know I have the right of way. I know. I'm just, I'm so cautious. Listen, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong, like Bob said, because they're the ones in the, uh, two-ton vehicle and yeah. uh, you know, so. well i've seen people uh, you know sometimes the the line of cars going the other way heading north from the traffic light back and back all the way up where kobu is and so you gotta pick your spots but it's funny i so while i'm sitting there you can watch people crossing the sidewalk uh, crossing the mm-hmm. crosswalks it's kind of funny watching them because they'll get in a sprinter's position and just bolt across <laughs> yeah you know to get across so the whole idea is to kind of narrow the road through there with wider sidewalks and bigger crosswalks the ones now there are just like six feet wide they're going to make them bigger brighter it'll also be more aesthetically pleasing so anyway they had this meeting and then they kind of laid out what's going to happen. I guess now that they're done getting public input and now they're going to come up with the final drawing and they still don't know when shovels will go in the ground, but it's going to be another two or three years, I guess, until this thing comes to fruition. So I hope I'm still here for it. <laughs> Are you saying like, you hope you're still vertical? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be I, working I hope, here I if so I can, too. but I yeah. Yeah, uh, I was surprised because like... I, I hope like, I'm still whole, vertical as well. And then one last thing, and this will have occurred by the time this broadcast, but the big Mayapak Fire Department annual tree lighting ceremony and Santa visit is taking place on Friday, December 3rd. A tabby will be there with camera. It's always a big event. And right now it's the only tree lighting ceremony in town. The chamber doesn't do it anymore because they do their thing over in Sycamore with Santa in the snow globe. It's kind of funny, you know, how organizations take different approaches to the pandemic. The one in Sycamore, which is sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce, you had to pre-register. You could only go in a line in a car. And then when it was your turn, you got to go out and visit Santa, who was behind a big plastic globe, and then got back in your car and got your goodie bag and moved on. The tree lighting ceremony with Santa arriving in a fire truck at Mayapak Falls, that's business as usual. It's going to be held just like every other year. Hopefully people wear masks, but other than that, there'll be cookies and hot cocoa and coffee and things like that. And people will hang out like they always do for Santa's visit and uh, the tree lighting. So uh, I, I um, am a bit surprised with Putnam County Business Council. You know, with their great awards, I mean, it looks just from the amount of businesses that are, are being awarded, it looks like there's going to be a couple hundred people. I have to say, like, I'm a bit surprised that there's not concern about it being a super spreader event. Yeah, especially now that we know about this new Omicron variant yeah, too, that yeah. seems to be raising its head all of a sudden. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that one, Brett, but you're absolutely right. Because I know that the Manpac Carmel Chamber of Commerce has postponed their annual dinner gala where they announce their officers and give out awards, you know, business of the year and that sort of thing. They haven't had theirs for a couple of years now. So like I said, everybody's got a different approach and thought. So hopefully they'll go unscathed, fingers crossed. You know? Yeah. And so Brian, I want to jump over to you. And I guess uh, I want to ask you first, uh, I guess you're trying to seek a story with a South Salem resident who uh, 
Who is a winner? Let me put that. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So uh, she. Appeared, <laughs> I, I, I tried to ask. Ask him. I know. Ask him the form of a question. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, so that's Pamela Schoenberg. Uh, she's a South Salem resident. She appeared on Jeopardy two nights ago, I believe. So it was November thirtieth from when we were filming this. Yeah. So I haven't gotten in touch with her yet, but I have sent an email asking. You know, I'd like to talk with her about her experience on the show. Basically, just from what I've watched, she uh, her episode aired on November 30th, and she went up against a really great champion who had won nine days in a row now with her win when Pamela was on. So it's 10 days in a row with $380,000. So she's been a spectacular champion. And Pamela gave her a run for her money. She entered Final Jeopardy with about um, 16,000, I believe, a couple thousand behind the champion. But Pamela did not get the Final Jeopardy correct, and the champion did. Uh, so, you know, kudos to just getting on the show one and two for a heck of a game. So I, I you know, I'd, I'd love to chat with her about her time on the show. So we'll see, look for that in Katona Lewisboro times, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So and, that, that is definitely a very challenging show for sure. It is. And, you know, I'd like to think that I would do okay. I sit at home and watch Jeopardy a lot. And there are some games where I just crush it. And there are some games where I get two answers right the whole time. I think yeah. it's just, it's really dependent on the categories you get. Yeah, uh, you know, I so, feel like if I ever made it on, I feel like the categories would be Russian literature. And, uh, <laughs> it's the highlight of my week when I get the final Jeopardy question right, and all yeah. three contestants get it wrong. Oh, I yeah, like, yeah. hoot and holler when that happens. It doesn't happen very often, but it's happened. You know, as you guys know, I know nothing about sports. So most likely, if I were on, they would have a sports category. Although right. I've, I've been told yeah. by people that it's a pretty safe bet. If you just make every one of your answers the Yankees, chances are at least you'll get something right. All right, Brett. Uh, I'll give you give you a trivia <laughs> question. Two baseball teams play in New York. Who are they? Yankees and <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes yeah. All right. So, yeah. I mean, our, the people in our community are no strangers to be on game shows. I think this is the first one since I've been here that we've had someone on Jeopardy. I know there was actually someone from like Pleasantville on Jeopardy a few months back. But now one of our communities. Uh, we've had someone just a couple of months ago, a family that was on Family Feud. We did a story on them. And then we had somebody who was on Wheel of Fortune. He wasn't just on Wheel of Fortune. He was like the best player ever on Wheel of Fortune. He was just ridiculous. He would solve puzzles in three seconds he, without any letters on the board. He used, <laughs> I, I could revisit that story, but he, he was a amazing Wheel of Fortune player. He just sits at home all day and, and, and he watches Wheel of Fortune, studies it. That's incredible. Um, he, yeah, I know. Pat Sajak at one point went over to him and he's like, you gotta leave some for the other contestants. Come on. <laughs> You know, I, I consider myself a wordsmith, but I'm terrible at puzzle games. Me like too. That I, yeah, you know I, why? Because I, I watch Wheel of Fortune. One, it's the, when they do the, I don't know what it's called, when they, they kind of flip the letters open. You know, it's not just you pick a letter, but before they start a game. I think it's the timer that really stresses me out. I'm so bad at yeah. guessing things under the timer. Yeah. And then it's just when I get a word in my head, then it's not the word. I can't get rid of it. So I think I, I'm really bad at the Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. I'll be honest. Mayapak just had a local restaurant appear on Travel Channel's show Man vs. Food. It hasn't mm. aired yet, so I'm not allowed to talk about it or write about it or do anything about no, it. Hold, but, hold, hold, hold uh, on. This was yeah. on social media. So yeah. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like... Yeah, you're right. They did post it on their own Facebook page. So yeah. I guess to a certain degree, the cat is part of way out of yeah. the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so do you want me to? Nah, you know what? I I like them. They're you know I I consider them friends. I'm I'm not yeah. Gonna... Their food is great. You know, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Just, so they asked me. Uh, they well they signed a contract saying they can't do any press or media until 
the episode airs, which sadly isn't going to be till next spring, but I'm ready to write it when they are, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, they're great people over there. So I have to tip my hat and say, okay, whenever you're Mm -hmm. in man versus food is a show I watch all the time. I'm looking forward to that article. Hey, Brian, I'm going to go jump back to you too. um, So you're going to be moderating a Q and a at the Bedford playhouse tonight. We're filming this on Thursday, December 2nd. So tonight, December 2nd, the Bedford Playhouse is hosting a special invite-only screening of the film Jockey, which comes out in theaters, I believe, in a couple of weeks or so. It's being organized by Bedford Playhouse and the Lincoln Center. So it's, it's a pretty big deal. This movie is definitely a dark horse contender for some awards this season. And I would say the leading candidate, if they're going to get an award, is probably the, the starring actor in the movie, Clifton Collins Jr., you might know him from, you know, he, he was in Traffic, he was in Capote, he was in Westworld. He's definitely a big character actor. So this is a nice big leading role for him where he plays a jockey kind of at the end of his career, facing the realities that, you know, it's time to walk away, but he tries to win one last race. Oh, I definitely know who he is. So, yeah, yeah. He, Are you interviewing him tonight? Correct. So after, wow. the, screen, after the screening, the screening's, at 630, the screenings at 6.30 p.m. Um, I've already seen the film. Uh, Sony Pictures Classics sent me a screener. I watched it yesterday morning. So around uh, 7.30, I'll be meeting with Clifton. We'll kind of discuss what's going on, you know, and, and meet each other. And, and after that, immediately after the film ends, we will take the stage at Bedford Playhouse and we'll do a quick Q&A. You know, I'll introduce him, uh, ask two or three questions of my own, then turn it over to the audience. And that'll last about a half hour. I, I'm sure it'll go swimmingly. Do, I think do you know, you know what movie he was in that was amazing? Like, I, like one of my favorite movies, Last Castle. I've never heard of that movie. Oh, oh that's just Jan Scandolfini and Robert Redford. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sounds like a great cast. It, it's yeah. you, Brian, you have to watch it at some point. It's it's uh, about a prison. Yeah. Yeah. Clifton Collins Jr. plays a pretty um, big role and actually a very sympathetic character in that movie. He really inhabits like he, he's not a uh, every movie. There's different actors who clearly are just like kind of playing a different version of themselves. And, you know, I, I love Denzel, but he's always kind of playing Denzel in every movie. I yeah, watch yeah. of course. Uh, yeah. You know, this guy really is just every different movies and he's a totally different character. And so this is a different role for him, a leading man. I think it was a talk about a skeleton crew. I heard him on a podcast talking, you know, there's 10 people. They didn't even have a script supervisor on. They didn't have lighting. They didn't have makeup. Yeah. Uh, they just filmed it at a racetrack in Arizona. Yeah, and, and the, the uh, result was spectacular, and he is garnering all sorts of critical acclaim. He received standing ovation at Sundance, and actually Sundance was not held in person this year, but it received some awards at Sundance, I believe the, the Audience Award or something there, and, and I know that he's being especially praised for his performance, and he might be nominated for a Best Actor this year. He's, one of the, he's up against some stiff competition. Wow, um, that's very he, cool. That's very cool. Denzel, best actor or yeah. supporting actor or Best Actor? Best, best Actor, Best Leading Actor. Oh. Yeah. You know, he's up against some stiff competition. I know Denzel, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Benedict Cumberbatch. They're all kind of leading candidates this year to be nominated. But he's probably the underdog, right? He is, certainly. I, yeah. I would say he's the underdog. If he is nominated, he would only be the fifth Latino actor ever nominated in the 95-year history of the Academy Awards. That's very, very, very cool. Yeah, he's, he's an impressive guy. I'm um, looking forward to tonight, and uh, I think it should be fun. That's very, very cool. I, I could score you a ticket if you want, but I know you're all the way up in Connecticut, so... <laughs> I, 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 I was actually... I was thinking of it, but um, we'll see. 
my son has a, his Cub Scouts tonight, which I always take. Him no, to. I know, I know. But this, uh, it's it's nice, yeah. Living living next to and and Bedford Playhouse is awesome too. We watch movies there too because I'm I'm I don't love going to big theaters anymore. Like I like Bedford Playhouse. It's nice. Get a recliner seat in the back of Bedford Playhouse. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been to the place. It's very, it's very nice, Bedford Playhouse. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I never considered myself a moderator. I never thought I'd. If you guys only knew me in high school. Well, I thought you did an excellent job with um, and I uh, have the book right in my office somewhere. Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yes. Yes. Yep. So that yep. was back in July. Yeah, I interviewed that. the I interviewed the author of the Trial Chicago Seven, the official transcript. I'm not going to go too deep into that. It was basically uh, inspired Aaron Sorkin and and Steven Spielberg to move forward with that movie, which uh, received this, all sorts of praise last year. This was, I'm sorry, Mark Levine, right? Yeah, yes. He's a Yorktown resident. Yeah. So yeah, I wrote the story about him. Then he yeah. suggested me to the Bedford Playhouse. So, you know, usually the people... You, Bedford Playhouse sometimes supplies their own moderators, but sometimes the authors or, or, or actors who are doing a Q&A will supply their own. So in this case, he recommended me to the Bedford Playhouse and it went fine. I guess so much so that Bedford Playhouse invited me back to say, hey, can we add you to kind of a roster of That's fantastic, rotating Brian. moderators? And we have to do it your neighbor on you, maybe. <laughs> so the Lincoln Center. <laughs> Uh, I guess had some moderators fall through and they had me as a backup, you know, all week. So I wasn't really sure if I was doing it all week or not. I was like, uh, and then finally a couple of days ago, they said, all right, you're getting the call. You're the, you're the guy tonight. That's awesome. Um, yeah, very yeah, cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. What time is the screening? And a curiosity. <laughs> it's 630 PM. Okay. Don't worry about it, but you could watch it at home. I can't send you the screener because my name's all watermarked over it. So I, if I can't get in trouble, with it. <laughs> <laughs> Last on the agenda, I know we've run long, is uh, solar in Yorktown. It's every time I open up a planning board agenda, it's kind of getting crazy right now. It's it's agenda items one, two, three, four, and five are all solar farms going up in these residential areas, which is what the town wanted in some respects. They approved the law last year allowing this on um, large properties and residential areas. And, and these have been previously undevelopable lands in some respects. I know on Route 6, there's one near the JV Mall. They were initially going to put 100-something units of housing. It just never happened, never worked out. So they just said, all right, we'll go with solar. Basically, there's seven or eight solar farms proposed for all over Yorktown on both sides of the reservoir and in all four corners of town. So not just one area is getting these solar farms dumped on them. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's on a case-by-case basis where... The planning board is like, you know, I think this is a great spot. And then a lot of times they're actually going on farms, which they like too, because that allows the farms to generate an extra source of revenue and to stay in business rather than, you know, go out of business and being turned into a housing development. Rather, They'd rather keep the farms in business. But some areas that they have to say, well, you know, we got we to gotta pump the brakes. So, you know, we're, this area, we're cutting down a lot of trees. How do you balance that with the environment if you're cutting down 2,000 trees to put up solar panels? It's a difficult charge the planning board has right now yeah, um, because... If they comply with the specifications or the requirements of the law, planning board doesn't have a ton of latitude. When you, when you think about it, both solar panels and trees help the environment. Trees consume carbon dioxide. And they um, provide great screening. And they produce <laughs> oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's a difficult choice to make. It is. So, I mean, I think they'd prefer yeah. areas where there aren't a ton of trees already, which I think yeah. the, another one that was just proposed, they'd quote unquote only have to cut down, you know, a, a few hundred, as opposed to, I think, in one area kind of behind my house over here in Mohegan Lake, they'd, they'd have to cut down almost 2,000 trees. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To clear nine acres. Yeah. Uh, for a solar farm. So basically, the town 
this is what they wanted in some respects, but now they're saying we're getting a lot right now. Maybe maybe we need to reconsider the, how the way this law is written. I know one councilman had proposed a moratorium on these solar farms until they can like kind of wrap their head around it. But at the last meeting, uh, the town did propose some amendments to the solar law, which basically more setback. Basically, I think right now the setback is 50 feet from a residential neighborhood. Now they want it 100, bigger lot size for uh, large-scale ground-mounted solar systems. Basically, I think, I, I forget the exact number, but they would need it to be a bigger lot size to, to do that. And then there's an accessory solar system that's different from large-scale. So basically, if, if a homeowner has a kind of a somewhat big property and they want to add, it's not like a large-scale, but they can still put it in their yard, ground-mounted solar system. They're changing that from, I think, one to two acres or something like that. Mm. And oh yeah, I think it might be five acres is what, the, is what for a uh, large scale. But either way, the town is getting inundated with these. So it's uh, these are one of the only communities that has a law in the books that opened the floodgates because these companies and, and one of the companies proposing most of them and they're leasing the land in most cases. Um, are, are they New York State companies or are they? Um... One of them is Ecoji. I'm not sure if that's okay. I can look it up right now. I have a buddy from high from school. Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. I have a buddy from high school who's in the solar panel business. Yeah, it's booming, it, apparently. It's, it's a big business. Yeah, yeah. I know. I yeah. might go invest in some uh, solar companies right now. Yeah. Well, it, I was yeah. uh, <laughs> talking about the downtown revitalization project in Mayapak, and one of the things that a lot of audience members came up to podium and said that they need to make this parking lot slash park environmentally friendly and want them to use solar power for like the parking lot lights <laughs> And the power, at, there's going to be a outbuilding for the rec department, a little mini office and bathrooms. I'd like to see that and any lighting in the park to be solar. So also the parking lot's going to have a couple parking spaces with charging stations for electric cars. So we'll see you know, if they uh, look into solar energy. But yeah, Brian, it's everywhere. Yeah. And like uh, I said, Yorktown is just one of the only communities around here that has a law like this, which is why. And we did a big story on it four months ago. We spoke to the planning director. You know, he basically said, we'll reach a critical mass at some point. Can't have the whole town covered in solar farms. He goes, he doesn't think we're there yet. But at, at a certain point, they may have to reconsider the way they're doing this. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of solar. Um, it, the agenda's it's not slowing down. So yeah, yeah that's kind of where we are. Great. And, uh, Great. I admit to getting slow news week anxiety. I'm one of those people who um, <laughs> we've had like a lot of big yeah. news stories and a lot of fast news with the elections and then all that stuff. And now it kind of takes drops off a cliff in terms of like and now, so, something yeah. big will happen between now and the between now <laughs> i'm one of those people who just sits around waiting for, i'm like oh no i'm not doing enough and I'm, I'm not doing enough i need to go i'm exactly the same way i'm like i've been doing it here seven years now and every week i panic you know, I know I'm, <laughs> so, yeah. gentlemen thank you very very much hope you have a great rest of your week all right thanks, thanks Brett. 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 Take care. Bye bye. later guys